Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Strength and Conditioning Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Chris. And today we're going to uh, get into a, a subject that's, that's pretty interesting uh, about common injuries in, in, the, in the weight room uh, for your, your muscles and stuff like that and how to identify them and how to kind of, you know, um, not really prevent them from happening, but kind of how to work around them and, and things of that such nature. But I'm going to get into pretty much how to identify them and, you know, <clears throat> so you can kind of tell what, what type of injury you do have. So you can go to your, your doctor or somebody and then have it looked at, um, on a, uh, on a professional level and have them diagnose you. Okay. But before we get started, uh, you know, I would like, uh, everybody support and there are a couple different ways you can do this um you can go over to anchor which is where the podcast is originated for the main site and you can show your support by giving a uh, a monthly donation that's greatly appreciated and that money's going to actually go towards a web page where i'm going to actually start putting up for uh with uh, workout programs uh healthy nutritional uh recipes for foods that you guys can cook so you can eat a little bit uh, healthier uh, and it's not really going to be so bland and boring and stuff like that. Um, so that's one way you can support it. Uh, I understand times are tough and you know not everybody can can give money but they like the podcast but the other way you can uh, support me is you know liking and subscribing to the podcast on one of the many different platforms that you listen to this and share it with you know family and friends. Um, that's always good uh, to do, and that's one of the ways you can do it. And you can also support my Instagram page where I actually go over. Uh, I post up workouts and uh, very, very generic workouts. I will say that uh, the workouts I post up on there are not really what I prescribe for like a lot of my clients and stuff like that. But you can go over there. You can look up some of the workouts I do, uh, exercise execution. I'm getting more into live uh, streams to where I'm actually describing more on how to properly uh, do different things. I just did one uh, this past weekend about uh, deadlifting and pretty much how to get into position and what you should be doing when you're deadlifting so you can actually do it in a safe manner, safe, effective manner. Um, because a, a lot of people should know that deadlifting doesn't hurt your back, it's just how you deadlift. So if you're hurting your back when you're deadlifting, you're probably not doing it right. So I'll, you go over there uh, to my um, Instagram page and you can check that out. That's actually uh, some good information. Uh, my Instagram handle is L-E-W-I-S, the underscore symbol, and C-A. That's Lewis underscore C-A over there on uh, Instagram. You guys can support that. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Redcon One, uh, who is actually a really good uh, company. I actually use a lot of their stuff uh, in my intro workout mix. If you guys have, have heard that podcast about the stuff that I put into my intro workout um, mix that I take when I'm working out, uh, you can go over there and you can get uh, those products over there. And you can use my code, uh, T20C Lewis, that's T20CLEWIS, and you can get 20% off on that. Okay, so <clears throat> let's get into uh, the topic that we're going to get into today is the, the management of your muscle injuries and, you know, kind of how we how you can identify them and, and whether or not, um, you know, it's, a, it's very serious or, or just maybe a mild sprain. Okay, so so most uh, fitness professionals, uh, they we commonly encounter 
individual which we designate as MSI, musculoskeletal injuries, okay? So, and the injuries to the, the musculoskeletal system are common in active individuals who are regularly participating in fitness and sports-related uh, activities, okay? So there is a scientist, Hootman, who did a survey, and out of 6,313 active adults ages 20 to 85 years old, and he found that 83% of them reported exercises related uh, MSI with more than 66 of these injuries occurring in the lower extremities, okay? And then that study was followed up by Kaplan, who did another study that reported that one in four women who are physically active experience um, an exercise-related MSI. So having a basic understanding of how uh, to manage these injuries uh, is important not only for fitness professionals, but also for, for you. Um, you know, if you don't pay for training and you go to the gym on a regular basis, um, you pretty much have to kind of identify them yourself. And then, like I said, and then, you know, it determines whether or not you go to your doctor or if you just need some rest or, 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 or what have you. Okay, so so in order to for us to train our client safety, we have to learn how to identify this. Okay, so the, the this podcast uh, or today's podcast is, is we're going to provide a, a basic review of three of the most common injuries that I found when doing research on this subject, you know. And they are, you know... Uh, the tissue healing process, monitoring um, post-injury pain and signs of overtraining when it comes to an injury, you know, and reducing the risk of injury. Now, I know a lot of people, there are a lot of snowflakes out there in the fitness industry, you know, that say, oh, overtraining is a mindset, it doesn't happen. No, that's BS. Especially when it comes to injuries, there is uh, a really high probability of overtraining. And if any of those guys have any, you know, thing to say about it, you know, you head over to the NSCA where they have tons and tons of people that researches these subjects, you know, and that's all they do over there. So that's why I like them as a, as, as a pretty good source of information. Okay. So common MSIs um, as individual participate in physical actor activities, uh, it is possible that you will sustain some type of MSI. And the three common types include muscle strains, ligament sprains, and bone fractures, okay? All present very distinct signs and symptoms that not only as fitness professionals, but you uh, as an individual need to be able to recognize in order to, to properly manage them and, and determine whether or not you need to go uh, see your, your physician or not, okay? So... Now, muscle strains often occur in that as uh, there are, muscle strains are an acute traumatic, traumatic event that results in the loss of function in that muscle. Okay, so when the muscle cannot meet uh, the activity demand and the work beyond this uh, physiological capacity, um, that's when the injury occurs, okay? So with mild strains, you know, you might, you may report a, uh, or you might feel, or your client, if you're training somebody, might report a pulling sensation with, with pain, okay? So in more severe cases, uh, you might uh, report, or you might feel 
and your client might report feeling a pop, followed by a lot of pain, swelling, and discoloration, okay? So if that happens, yeah, definitely stop what you're doing and go see your doctor. <laughs> so that's, especially if you, you, you feel or hear a pop, you're, you're, yeah, it's, you know, stop immediately. Okay, so, and, and then after all that, that happens, you know, uh, the loss of function typically occurs within uh, more severe strains. Okay, so later I'll get into kind of like the description and the different grades of, of muscle strain toward the end of the podcast. Okay. So now one of the other common injuries that, that we uh, face are ligament sprains, okay? And ligament sprains occur with trauma such as a within a fall or a collision during most contact sports. So, you know, uh, a soccer player collides with another player and then they sprain their, their ligaments in their knee, okay? So the most common uh, joints for sprains include, you know, ankle, knees, thumb, fingers, shoulders, those are the more common ones, and th- and this is more for 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 sport related. Okay, so if the the sprain occurs, okay, and you know you'll often like you'll hear a popping sound. Again, there's that popping sound. Okay, and it'll you'll um, it'll be followed by immediate pain and swelling and instability and decrease of your overall ROM range of motion, and then definite loss in function. Okay. Okay. Now the next one is uh, bone fractures. Okay. So a fracture is a break in the bone. That's all it is. There's no other way to, uh, to describe it. Okay. Uh, and now <clears throat> it's typically caused by some type of trauma or overuse. Okay. So for example, a fracture can occur from a, a simple fall onto the ground that can cause a minor break or you know, from a high-speed motor vehicle accident um, that can cause multiple severe fractures. So hopefully none of you guys will experience that. I, you know, hope that everybody's out there is driving safely and staying safely and, 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 and avoiding that. So, um, so you, know, you know, as professionals in the fitness industry and also as uh, people who go to the gym regularly, um, you should understand that fractures usually don't occur in isolation, but rather they are accompanied by damage to the skin, the muscle, damage to vessels, and in, in some cases, uh, damage to organs, uh, which can all affect the healing process. So, you know, that's definitely one you want to go to the doctor for. <laughs> okay. So now of particular interest to to us in the uh, the fitness industry and for you know avid gym goers, you know our our stress fractures. Okay, now this is kind of more common for for a lot of us. Okay, so a, a stress fracture is really a small crack in the bone that is caused by overuse. Okay, and so with overuse, the muscles may become fatigued and unable to absorb the repetitive force, which eventually will transfer straight to the bone. Okay, so if the bone cannot repair itself fast enough, it may result in a stress fracture. Okay, so the majority of stress fractures will uh, occur in, in the, the weight-bearing bones of the foot. So, you know, your foot is, you know, underneath, pretty much, you know, it, it functions to everything for you. Okay, so, you know, and then there's also the lower leg, uh, the, the uh, for example, the, the, the tibia could have a, a stress fracture. Okay, so 
these fractures are most uh, prevalent in high impact sports such as distant running. So if you're a marathon runner, a dance or gymnastic, and a lot of it happens in, in, in military recruits. I don't know, when I went through basic training, we used to do um, ruck marches and it would really play havoc on your shins and stuff like that. Um, and you know, I used to have like these idiots that were in charge and they would never really pay attention to guys who have shin splints and, and, and all these other things. And they wouldn't really pay attention to that. And they would just tell them to suck it up and keep going. And then, you know, eventually they would get even more injured. Okay. So, you know, and that comes back from them not being able to recognize it or if somebody does recognize it, they think that they're a, a dirt bag and they're just trying to get out of training. Well, no, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but you still got to always err on the side of caution. Okay. So, you know, these possible causes include, you know, overtraining, poor conditioning, you know, improper, tra improper equipment uh, for when you're in the gym. And most commonly what I see is a lot of training mistakes, people doing improper techniques and they're not really, you know, doing form uh, the correct, the exercise the correct way. And they're putting undue stress on the bones and the muscles. Okay, so low bone mineral density has also been linked to these type of stress factors. Okay, so some of the signs and symptoms of these stress factors are localized and may include uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to list here, uh, but are not limited to all this. So local pain that will increase with the with the uh, with the activity that you're doing, and it diminishes with rest. So, you know the point tenderness at the site of the fracture, and there's going to be local swelling and possible uh, discoloration. Might might not happen. Okay, so. Now, what happens when you get these type of uh, injuries? Well, you know, the, it, they have a thing that's called the, the tissue healing process. Okay, so after an injury, the body will go through a, what, what's called a, a, a systemic um, reparative process, okay, in order to recover from that injury, okay? This process is a continuum that begins immediately after the injury and it ends once the tissue, you know, the bones, ligaments, or muscles have healed, okay? This process can take up to, to two years to complete, you know, uh, you know, so just be aware of that, okay? So the tissue healing process consists of, of, of three phases, uh, which are inflammatory, um, fibroelastic and uh, the remodeling. Okay, so um, the inflammation, the inflammatory phase begins immediately after the injury, like we stated uh, earlier. Okay, so and that's basically the local blood vessels constrict at the injury site to control the bleeding. That's kind of like the body goes into like kind of like a self repair or self healing right away. Okay, so there are these uh, special call, uh, cells called uh, platelets, okay? Then they rush to the, the area to control bleeding and signal other important cells um, to the area, okay? So these cells, um, they fight infection and begin to clean up uh, the damaged tissue, 
Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that's going on there, and there's a bunch of different cells that are there. There, there's two different types of these cells. Okay, that do that, and one of them fights the infection, and the other, um, the 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 macrophages. I, I, I probably butchered that name, but um, that's the one that begins to clean up the damaged tissue. Okay, so. Now, this phase, the, the inflammatory phase, can last up to six days as the body attempts to, uh, to uh, protect the injured area and remove all the damaged tissue and start the healing process, okay? So some of the things that you're gonna see when, uh, during this phase of the hearing, healing process is, you know, there's some redness, uh, warmth, swelling, pain, and, and dysfunction. So you're, if you ever get an injury and right after it swells, you feel it and you feel kind of, you know, the warmth, that's because it's going through that, that whole process, okay? Uh, so the next phase is the uh, fibroplastic phase, okay? And it begins as soon as the inflammation phase uh, comes to an end, okay? So... Scar formations begin as, this, as these cells enter the area and produce large amounts of collagen and, and other, other key components to uh, scar the for, formation process, okay? So the, the, the scar can resist normal stress within two to three weeks and will continue to strengthen for, for, for several months, okay? So... This phase typically lasts uh, from three days to six weeks, okay, De depending on, you know, your body and your body's ability to heal itself, okay. So during this phase of the, 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 the process, um, the body is filling in the injured area with what, what they call, what they're calling a scar and restoring function to the tissue, okay. So this phase is is, is uh, some of the characteristics that you might see or feel during this is, you know, a slow uh, returning function to that area, uh, decreased pain and swelling with the, uh, the activity, okay? Now, and then after that is, is complete, then we go into what's called the remodeling phase, okay? So as soon as the, uh, the, the, the fibroblastic uh, phase comes to an end, you know, the remodeling phase begins. So during this phase, the, you know, the, the, the fibroblasts have filled the wound with collagen and uh, the wound begins to remodel into a more organized scar matrix is what they're, what they're calling it, okay? And this creates more what's called tensile strength in the scar, okay? So which can regain up to 70 to 80% of the, the tissue's original strength, okay? So healing in this phase can last anywhere from 21 days to two years, and it's just basically repairing um, the, the tissue, okay? Okay, so the goal of the phase is to complete the healing process and regain full functioning tissue in that damaged area, okay? So some of the things that are, are you might see and experience during this uh, and an advancement of uh, functional activity with little to no signs and systems when, when the tissue is stressed, okay? So now, whether it's a muscle, a ligament, or a bone, 
uh, each tissue has specific healing time. Okay, so it's important for you to remember that even if um, you, you're cleared to resume physical activity, the tissue still may be healing. Okay, so keep that in mind when you guys are going back into training. So, you know, you know I'm cautioning you, um, you know, or, and advising when returning to activity after the injury due to, you know, you being at a higher uh, risk of re-injuring the tissue if you overload that area too quickly, okay? So, you know, the healing process uh, timeline, it, you know, basically it's all dependent on age, nutrition, and compliance, and a, a, a few other things, okay? So what you're going to want to do is, you know, you want to monitor uh, your injury pain post okay so afterwards okay so some post-injury people may have a, a difficult time returning to physical activity as the healing tissue is, is still being stressed okay so you may experience an array of sensations like tightness uh you know the muscle guarding itself and and, and some pain so we need to be aware of these sensations in order to safely progress through your exercise program. Okay, most important is the pain because the sensation of pain is the body's way of pretty much saying that uh, a form of harm or irritation is occurring. Okay, and you know, so, you know, there, there's a, a couple different uh, pains that you can deal with. Okay, acute pain you know, or immediate pain often signals, you know, that's when the tissue is damaged and it elicits a, a, a flight or f fight or flight response. Okay. So these symptoms include, you know, increased blood pressure, anxiety, uh, increased muscle tension, and, you know, the, the body's going to guard that, that injured area. Okay. Um, a good example would be a basketball player who lands on an opponent's foot and sprains his own ankle. So if you ever have that type of Pain, that's pretty much what it's associated to, okay? So, and then there's chronic pain, which is considered, you know, pain that lasts longer than three months, you know, often, re and, you know, a lot of people, what happens with this pain because it's so long and you get frustrated, it results in, you know, depression and preoccupation with, with symptoms and, and you, you have trouble eating and sleeping and, and um, things of that such na nature, okay? So... You know, take, for example, uh, a client or a person, you know, with multiple low back surgeries who has not fully recovered and he experienced is chronic pain, okay? So, and then there's referred pain, okay? Referred pain is that is transferred into an area away from the site of the injury, okay? And that's why a lot of times we should not always look at the the source of the pain for the problem. You know, you, that's why you got to do a full assessment, okay? And that's why I'm telling you to go to your physician if you feel any of this stuff because it might be something else other than at the site of the pain, okay? So uh, this, this pain may, be, may have a, a specific pathway or maybe diffuse to several different areas throughout the body, okay? And then you're going to feel numbness and tingling that uh, may occur 
or may accompany the pain if the if nerve involvement is present. Okay, so you know if you ever had a pinched nerve, uh, you know it can refer to be per, referred to like pain in the leg. So let's just say you you know a pinched nerve in in your your lumbar disc, which is in your in in your back. Okay, you it, you could feel it in your leg. Uh, uh, a few years ago, um, you know I had a really bad. Uh, um, pinched nerve in my back and my arm would go numb so it wasn't anything that was wrong with my arm it was just that there was a there was something that was you know pinching my nerve in my back and I had to go and and get that taken care of okay so so you know you might want to you know take that for example just don't always look at the, the the source of the pain as you know the problem it could be somewhere else okay so some of the things um, what you can do, uh, signs of over, overtraining, how you know you're going to overtrain an injury. Okay, that's what I'm talking about right now. You can overtrain from these injuries. Okay, so, you know, you know as you begin to increase the intensity of your exercise over, over time, once you know, you start feeling better, the risk of overtraining also increases. Now, this is going with an injury. It's not overtraining, overtraining, which is possible, but the average everyday person who just goes to the gym and goes to their job, they're really not going to overtrain because they're not, because they're getting adequate rest, okay? So, besides this type of pain, there are six, you know, I guess symptoms that we can call that may indicate overtraining, you know, in the healing tissue, Okay, and that is soreness that lasts uh, more than four hours. Soreness or pain that occurs um, earlier or is increased uh, from a, a prior training session. Okay, increase in stiffness and a decrease in range of motion uh, over several sessions. So that's something that, that progressively gets worse. Okay, then of course, swelling, redness, the warmth. Uh, in the healing tissue and progressive weakness over several sessions and a decrease in functional usage over several sessions. So it's going to progressively get worse instead of progressively getting better. So when you start experiencing this, you're probably overtraining that, that and the muscle really isn't, or that area isn't really fully recovered. So you might want to kind of back off and, and maybe rest a little bit more. Okay. So you know, when you're doing this to help reduce the risk of injuries, um, you know, and that's, that's something that we all should be doing. You know, uh, injury risks increase, you know, the more you train uh, and the more training increases. Okay. But the risk can be lowered by adjusting, you know, your exercise parameters such as frequency, intensity, and duration. Okay. So you constantly... F- Constantly switch those things up. That's why we do periodization and, and we don't stick to one training program and one set of intensity. Okay. So, and then, of course, you know, with injury, there are the risk factors, you know, like age, flexibility, which is very important. We all need to get more flexible, myself included, um, as well as whether or not, you know, you have a sedentary lifestyle or job, uh, whether you smoke, you chew tobacco, you drink, you know, all these, all these factors come into whether or not you're going to get, you know, injured or not. Okay. So basically that's the, the podcast, uh, you know, and the, the tissue hearing process is a key concept 
that everybody who, whether you're a trainer or whether you're just an avid uh, gym goer, you should understand, okay? Because, you know, your functional abilities will change in each of the tissue healing phases, okay? So you must understand that the time it takes to heal and the science behind each of these phases, you know, that people are researching in order to, you know, prescribe uh, safe exercises for your clients and also for you to recognize exercises that you're going to do for yourself in each one of those phases, okay? You know, additionally, you know, you know, being able to, you know, monitor, you know, post-injury pain and recognizing the size of overtraining are also very important uh, to ensure, you know, that you're, you know, picking the right uh, program designed for what you're doing so you can progress and get over that injury and get back up to where, you know, you want to do. Okay. So, you know, that's it for the podcast. Like I said, there, there's a lot of, um, data out there on this, which is actually really, really interesting and everything. Um, you know, and a lot of this stuff goes back really even to like 1996 is, was like, uh, one of the ones that I found, um, and there's a, a interesting uh, um, paper. You know, the management of common muscle skeletal disorders, uh, physical therapy principles and methods, and that was done by uh, Williams and Wilkins in, in 1996, and that's actually kind of a, uh, a of an interesting read. So for for a lot of you guys out there uh, that want to catch up on reading, that's one of the one of the places that you can go, you know, and a lot of uh, physical therapist journals are actually really good. Okay, so, you know, uh, a grade one mild strain, okay, uh, basically what that entitles is it results in few, uh, few of the muscle fibers damage, okay, and the symptoms are, are very mild to moderate pain, and, you know, the functional ability is about normal strength, Okay, and then there's a moderate strain, which is classified as a grade two, uh, you know, and that results in a greater, greater number of muscle fibers that are involved in this type of strain, you know, and the symptoms are moderate to severe pain, uh, mild swelling, and, you know, possible, possible discoloration, okay, and your functioning ability will be noticeable weaknesses in that area. Okay, and then there's a grade three, a severe strain. Uh, this is the one of the ones that we actually covered the most, you know, and that is a complete tear of muscle fibers. Okay, and the symptoms are a popping or a tearing sensation, severe pain, swelling, discoloration, and that is all loss of the motor function. So, you know, that's for for uh, for uh, muscle strains. Okay, so now for ligament sprains, you know, you have a uh, a grade one, which is mild, and same thing, few muscle fibers are damaged, uh, minimal tenderness and minimal swelling. Um, you'll have like mild to moderate pain and normal strength, okay? A lot of this stuff is, is, is pretty much the same from what these guys are from the uh, physical therapy journals are saying, okay? So for uh, a ligament sprain, a moderate or a grade two sprain, you know, greater a number of muscle fibers involved. You're gonna have moderate tenderness, moderate swelling, 
a decrease in your range of motion in that area and you know possible instability and discoloration okay so you're going to have moderate to severe pain and the weak, the you're going to have noticeable weaknesses in your functional ability and then for the grade three for a ligament sprain is, you know, complete tear of the muscle fibers, uh, significant tenderness, significant swelling, discoloration. Uh, you're not going to be able to bear any weight on that area and very instability. And you're going to be very instable. Okay, so you're going to hear a pop and a ripping sensation and severe pain. So, and, you know, there are very different types of uh of of pain you know cramping dulling and aching uh it's most associated with uh muscles uh dull and aching that's more like ligament or joint uh for that um and then you have sharp and shooting pain and that's usually like associated with a nerve root you know you know, sharp, bright, and, and lightning-type pain, you know, that's nerves. Throbbing and uh, diffused is, is, is a vascular, um, is associated with the vascular structure, you know, and then you got burning, tingling, and aching, and that's a, a sympathetic nerve that you're going to experience with that type of pain. Okay, a deep, nagging, and dull pain is... is uh, is associated with uh, the bone, and then there is a sharp, severe, and intolerable pain, and that is going to be your fracture. So those are some of the ways you can kind of judge it out um, and everything. If you guys want to start, you know, uh, researching a lot of this stuff on your own, you know, there is also uh, you know sports medicine journals. Uh, one of the other things I, I uh, uh, sports health. Uh, it, there was an article in there about stress fractures on the foot, ankle, foot and ankle of athletes, so you can check that out. And medicine and science and sports and exercise, um, that is a, a, you know, a, something for the physical activity um, and guidelines for the, the muscle skeletal injuries. So, you know, some of those things you can you can kind of go out there and, and, and look for this stuff uh, yourself in some of these journals to get more, uh, I guess, knowledge about these types of things so you can identify it uh, when you guys are are out there training. OK, so that's going to do it. That's going to be it for the podcast today. Uh, thank you so much for you guys for listening. Um, and I will catch you on Sunday when I'm actually going to talk about protein timing and go over three of the studies that were done uh, about that and try and go over, you know, uh, pretty much what, what they came up with from these studies and, and which ones were good studies and which ones were, were bad studies. But until then, you guys, you guys have a safe weekend. Be careful in the gym and have, you know, good lifting sessions and safe lifting sessions. So until Sunday, uh, catch you guys later.